0: Welcome to the Red Mage Podcast, a podcast that explores the world building methodology in application to design. And I'm your host, Joshua Yin. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Red Mage, uh, the podcast that explores world building in aspects of design. So, as we're kind of working with this world building methodology, in which we're working with cross realities, multiple narratives, and actors existing in these physical and virtual spaces. I'm going to be bringing on an uh, interviewee today, uh, Tynamo Cosplay, good friend of mine, an amazing, amazing cosplayer. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you for that very nice introduction. Yes, I am Tynamo, or my Instagram would be dynamic.cosplay. Um, and I'm happy to be here. How long have you been cosplaying? I want to say since I was about 13, 14 was my made some of my most early costumes. About eighth grade, I think I pulled together a really, really awful Princess Peach cosplay, but you know I was having fun.
0: <laughs> you mentioned Princess Peach was was kind of like Mario, your introduction in either like the cosplay community or like you know just the the gaming or anime community.
1: No, I don't think I really saw it as a community through Mario. I think what really t- brought me into it was probably Sailor Moon, even though I personally haven't done a cosplay from that show. Um, back then when I was just getting into it, I really wanted to, and so I would look up costumes for it, and I kept seeing the word cosplay in the descriptions and titles of the products. And I'm like, what is this thing? And then, you know, as they say, the rest is history.
0: Wow. Oh, you kind of just got your introduction by kind of just exploring and then really discovering what cosplay was through like remote research, basically.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I wasn't entirely sure what it was. All I knew is that I wanted to dress up like my favorite characters.
0: When you did that, how long did it take you to make her costume?
1: Well, that wasn't the first costume I made. I bought that one. But the first one I made was a Peter Pan costume. And I think that one took me... I know, probably a week to make.
0: Wow, that is a lot of time. Was that for a convention or was that for
1: It was just for fun zot so probably more on Halloween.
0: That's really cool. So from like buying your, your first cosplay to making your own, what was that transition for you? Like what made you wanna, you know, switch over from um something a little bit more available to something handmade?
1: Well, they say that necessity breeds innovation, right? And mainly I just didn't (laughs) like any of the costumes that I saw for sale. Like, well, if I don't like any of the ones I can buy, I guess I just have to make my own. And then Hmm. my mom took me to Joanne's and I was like, oh my gosh.
0: Actually, during my my research phase, um, I had gone out and explored a lot of these like areas for cosplay and this might be like kind of a little adjunct to, to give some background in my project for graduate school i'm looking at cosplayers and, and forms of entrepreneurship and in order to explore and, and get it, and understand that a little bit more um, as an outsider who isn't a cosplayer i did a series of field visits um to areas that cosplayers like either hang out or you know spaces that provide resources for them i had seen like There's like this whole section of of cosplay materials specifically for cosplay at places like Joanne's. Was that around during that time that you
1: started? Um, I don't think that it actually taken off yet. Um, I know that like Yaya Han has a fabric line at Joanne's now. I know that Mango Sirene, I've seen her pictures in the books for a Pokemon cosplay thing. It was for Pokemon Go, I think, with the trainer outfits. But when I first went to Joanne's, I remember seeing any of that. I could just be gone and didn't know where to look. But I think it was a couple of years after I tried making my own costumes, that I started seeing more costly specific materials start coming into stores.
0: Sounds like there's been like some major changes. And the way that famous cosplayers or even cosplays being seen by companies as investable and you know having these spaces, do you feel like it's a lot more like the the entry way to kind of like get into the cosplay community is a lot more available now?
1: Oh, definitely. I think there's a lot more just materials and tutorials and information more widely available than even like say five years ago and I was talking to my stagecraft teacher about this, he was talking about how cosplay actually has made it a lot easier for him to find, like, costumes and props and just set building and decorating things, or, like, if you need a sword for a show, stuff like that, props. Cosplay has made it a lot easier for those sort of niche things to be available. Or another good example is, oh, it's a thermoplastic, what's it called? I'll think of it in a second. But it's a thermoplastic that got really popular in cosplay for making armor and things because before it was like you had foam or you had like cardboard. But what was neat about this thermoplastic is you could heat it up and then like form it and bend it. And that also meant no waste for the scraps because you could just melt it down and use it for other things, Mm. which is super cool. And it was specifically cosplay that made that product exist.
0: So cosplay not only has had effect in making these resources more available to these other areas like theater, but it's also sprung innovation for the creation of new products in order to meet these demands or overcome these obstacles.
1: I remember the name of the product. It was Warbla. Is not thermoplastic. <laughs> <laughs> From what my theater teacher told me, it is just access to more niche materials and props and different types of costumes because that's the thing about cosplay is most of the time you need like a very specific odd thing that isn't very common but it's what you need for the costume and the weird specificity makes it difficult to find but now that it's become more popular those niche very specific things are more easy to get
0: i'm also curious like how do you feel about like cosplay becoming more popular Well, I'm not a cosplayer. I do identify as an otaku. And sometimes when I see like people that are kind of just on the bandwagon saying that Dragon Ball Z or that Sailor Moon was really cool makes me feel kind of like, man, like, you know, you guys weren't saying that like years ago. Do you feel that there's something lost when cosplay is commercialized or actually that something's
1: gained? I mean, there's definitely an element of that hipster effect, you know, like I liked it before it was cool. However, (laughs) I do think I do think that making, you know, nerd culture more popular can only serve to benefit people. Like, I'd rather have people jump on the bandwagon than for it to be a super underground subculture and for people to make fun of it, you know? Mm. And I think spreading love for these pieces of media can just make more people happy. I also think that if a cosplayer is only in it for the notoriety and to get popular on the internet, like, it sort of shows through the content they make. Like, you can tell when someone is just making something for the attention and not because they have any passion for it. It's It comes across as empty and super paper thin, and it's more obvious, I think. So for all the people who are just simping on the bandwagon, there's an equal number of people who are introduced to this and genuinely are interested and passionate about it.
0: It's kind of something that's great about the cosplay community that's really welcoming for people to come in it seems like a way for like that community to build and for that to become normalized. I also kind of was like wondering, you know, as, as someone that isn't a cosplayer, um, how do you like, how does that spectrum of cosplayers go? You know, you had mentioned like, you know, people that are just kind of cosplaying just for the fan likes and paper thin materials in comparison to people that are doing it for the love and passion of, of cosplay. What do you as a cosplayer
1: define as the love and passion and what do you feel as superficial? It's kind of hard to answer. Like, I can tell you there's very much a spectrum of, like, skill levels. Like, the poorly styled wig 12-year-old me put on to try to look like a homestead character, like, it just looks bad. And for every, I know there are hundreds of, like, middle schoolers going to their first con with cosplays that aren't necessarily going to look like those Instagram famous cosplayers that you find. That's not a bad thing. Everyone's going to be at a different skill level. Um, mm. And I'm excited for those really bad middle school cosplays because that means they're <laughs> excited about it. And I'm glad that they're happy about this thing that they love. I would never criticize someone's cosplay to their face. I'm just happy that they're involved. On the other end of the spectrum, I've seen content creators who have left the cosplay community then come back and say, hey, this is why I have posted content. And they will admit, yeah, I was just making things because I felt an obligation to because mm-hmm. of my Patreon subscribers or whatever. And I no longer had a passion for what I was making. And that's kind of heartbreaking to me. I would feel terrible if I ever stopped caring about the things that I make. But on the other hand, I think you also have really famous popular cosplayers like example, Jenny D is a really um, well-known content creator. She does make something if she doesn't want to, like this is something she talks about. I think that's where you get the difference, whether you let the popularity dictate what you make or if you let your content breed the popularity.
0: I definitely agree with that. There has to be some kind of control. You know, how do you as a cosplayer contain, you know, maintain that control over doing the content that you love and also connecting with the fans?
1: nice thing about being a big nerd is most of the things that I like, there will also be other nerds who also like it. So if I make what I want, there are going to be people who enjoy it. Like, um, I wore a cruel Role cosplay to school. I knew I had, like, maybe two friends who would know who this character was, but I knew that those two friends were going to think it was super awesome. So I'm like, I don't care if I'm going to look like a weird gnome all day. I'm going to have fun, and it's going to make my friends happy. I'm going to be happy to show off this costume that I spent so much time making, and it's going to be a good time.
0: I see how when you're really into that niche, people kind of organically come because they're on that community. I think just with my research, I don't want to bring in bias. So some of these questions may sound a lot more kind of like, okay, well, that's, that's a little common sense, but the big thing is like never to make assumptions as a researcher. Cause once you are working with assumptions, then you're really kind of, um, introducing a lot of bias and you're no longer developing for that community you're developing either based off your assumptions or for yourself and i think when we listen to this there's this methodology that i use which is world building really looking at like all these spaces and cosplayers are in the city and you know they're they're making a boom cosplayers as a whole started making like these connections with these really niche crafts to like to theater and then like how like this whole product was made that really seems like it could benefit a lot of people who are even just into, like, art and sculpting. You know, the art, as an artist, for my undergraduate degree, sometimes you look for a medium like that, and it can be really, really helpful in expediting your workflow and also, like, exploring what it can do and its limitations. I I now kind of want to transition over to designating the spaces people cosplay in. And,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, like for from the research that I've I've been pulling out um, from... Anime Expo, Comic Con, uh San Diego Comic Con, as well as Long Beach uh Comic Con. And um from the books Cosplay Planet and I'm looking over my shoulder right now to try and try and find it. Well, Cosplay Planet was a really big one that was talking kind of talking about like how like people go to these conventions or like designated spaces. For you as a cosplayer, what are, like, the spaces that you occupied?
1: Conventions are a major one. Like, go to any convention and you'll find many a cosplayer. And (laughs) what's what's funny to me is if you have to travel there or you're on a bus, like, the closer you get to the convention center, the more cosplayers you'll see. And, like, directly correlated to the distance from the center is number of cosplayers, which... Every if you go to, like, a restaurant that's near the convention center, you'll see cosplayers there, too, which I think is fun. Like, I've gone to restaurants in cosplay.
0: Um, oh, really? Yeah. I wonder wonder uh, when, uh, when that may have may have happened. Not alluding <laughs> yeah, to a photo shoot we did.
1: <laughs> that photo shoot may or may not be included, but also just going to conventions and being hungry and wearing a costume, and guess I'm going to go to the restaurant in this costume. Because it's what I'm wearing. Um, another space where I occupy cosplay is also to school on Halloween, because I'm like, hey, Halloween is the one time I get to show off this costume and not be considered weird for it, because there are going to be tons of people in costume. Um, although, a funny story about that, which may or may not be relevant, but I remember going to a statistics class, being the only person in costume on Halloween, And definitely ended up on several people's Snapchat stories who thought they were being subtle, but they weren't. (laughs) And then I went to the theater building, and I saw a bunch of people in costume, and I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. These are my people.
0: That's really funny that you say that, like, these people are kind of like, it's almost like a spectacle. When you decided to go to school in cosplay and have these people that were trying to, but, like, fail their their stealth checks or fail being inconspicuous. (laughs) um, Sorry, just D&D love coming out. And for fans at home that aren't familiar with D and D, usually roll a 20-sided dice, and if you get a very low number, you have failed horribly, and <laughs> you await consequences. But if you get a really high number, you perform spectacularly and get away with almost anything you want. Coming back to the subject. the GM discussion? um going back to the subject when you decided to do that when they were taking photos of you how did you feel about that like did it feel outing did it feel um something kind of like powerful
1: and an acclamation of like an identity as a cosplayer or i mean i didn't mind it like i what i did was i wave at them like Yes, hi, I see your camera, hello, and just smiled. What makes me laugh is that I don't mind being photographed in cosplay. I I know that I look ridiculous. I know that I don't look, my clothes do not look normal, quote unquote. But, like, if they could just ask me for a picture, the picture would look a lot better than it was trying, like, sneakily taking with your phone. If you ask me, then I can pose for you, and it will look nice. It just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe wearing giant gesture horns, but I'm still a person. Like, you can still talk to me.
0: When I was reading Cosplay Basics, it talked about conventions and all of these, like, preparation for stuff. But you kind of... <laughs> the were, you kind of, is real. Ooh, okay, we're, we will get into that. But Cosplay Planet. And let me double check that I'm, I'm saying that I'm quoting the right book because I don't want to be like, oh, yes. And then be like, oh, no. Yeah, it's Planet Cosplay. My incredible bad. Uh, but there's so much literature that I've kind of gone through that sometimes it, it blurs.
1: I get that research. <laughs> it's the thing. So in,
0: in Planet Cosplay, they look at, you know, where, where cosplay occurs and they, they mention kind of talking about it, like in oh, Johan Hazingo, who went into kind of talking about play. And how it's kind of this like area that is designated for people to kind of do so. And when I compare that to when I was out doing field research and checking out Anime Expo, SabotinCon, and even a couple gatherings in Little Tokyo. It felt like there was a very small area that a series of cosplayers gathered and designated and they would interact. And it almost seemed out of place sometimes to see them kind of like... I'd be having sushi or beer and then just like giant armored person comes in or this, uh you know, fox girl runs over and I'm just like, whoa. And it, it's really fun and enjoy and, and I love it. But it almost kind of catches me by surprise because I feel like, oh, it wasn't expecting in that in this space and not designating it good or bad, but it was just kind of like more surprising. When you when you went to school in cosplay thinking it was Halloween, right?
1: It was Halloween, okay. yeah.
0: What made you kind of just go the whole day just being like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go and be in class in cosplay and do this?
1: The I mean, simple answer is because I wanted to. Like, I have this <laughs> costume and I want people to see it because I spent a lot of time working on it. And if Halloween is a good excuse for me to do that and get to wear it in public when I finally have a chance, then I'm going to take that opportunity. Also, hmm. I just like the holiday, as a, pretty much as much as I like cosplay as a thing itself. Candy cosplay can't go wrong on Halloween. Um, Absolutely.
0: Given that it was a Halloween, I feel that my question is more answered by like the time of year and that occasion. But would you ever cosplay like in class if you just had the option to?
1: And it made sense to do so. Like maybe if like I'm a theater major, if there was a scene work that required a costume, I I wouldn't mind having to wear. The- cost me all day if I had to but just cosplaying to class just without much of reason to would make me feel a little bit weird because as I pointed out when you see it outside of an expected context it is a little bit surprising and off-putting and I am a little bit of a self-conscious being when it doesn't make sense to wear it then I'm a little less likely to wear cosplay
0: so when you talk about like making sense to wear cosplay how do you designate that like what's the what are the criteria?
1: Um, I think it depends on who I know will be there. Like, mm-hmm. um, in fact, when I was in high school, I did a birthday party, like, just for a cosplay birthday party, because I could and I felt like it. And because I knew it was going to be, like, my friends and I hanging out, we did go to the mall, but because I was with my friends, I didn't feel weird about it, being in the mall and cosplay. Um, so, conventions, like I mentioned, are a pretty welcoming cosplay space, because of people are going to be in cosplay, um, in Halloween, that creates cosplay space. I think what defines it is either if other people will also be doing it, or if it's a place that would, how do I word this, if it wouldn't subvert expectation too much and be too surprising.
0: When I hear that, I feel like conventions, like parties, events, and to a certain point, even like kind of gatherings in the public space where there's more than one person, like kind of like a community gathering.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely feel more comfortable being in cosplay if there are also going to be other people also in cosplay.
0: I do want to acknowledge, like, there's a lot of issues with the comfort and space. And the purpose of this podcast, uh, for, for this season, season one, is looking at cosplay and micro entrepreneurship. And I know this is a little late, and I had made the assumption that people would be listening to episode zero, which introduces the podcast, the, the content, and the first season. But just in case anyone who is out there and kind of just skip the head over to to episode one, all of that stuff is acknowledged. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are kind of going on. But for season one, for my thesis project, I'm really looking at cosplay and micro entrepreneurship and how that can kind of like be designated within the city space to boom career growth and economic development for people uh, who are cosplayers. That is all acknowledged, but this project is focusing specifically on just micro entrepreneurship and looking at cross realities to really kind of bridge a way to kind of simulate economic development and economic growth. And this is touching on a UN uh, sustain, like, sustainable goal. Please don't, no audience member be offended if it feels like I'm not tackling that issue. It's more that because of the time given for November to complete my thesis, It really is kind of just like I could take on like one element and then kind of create that and then continue on different projects or iterations or work with community members to really kind of see what we could do on potentially either a further iteration or a different project that tackles that all together. So with that, I want to go back to these kind of conventions and like your dread of like getting ready for the con. (laughs) <laughs> that was a very <laughs> kind of nervous laugh if I've ever heard one a bit what, do you, what does that look like what what makes what makes it so full of dread
1: well dread is the right word like I love doing it I have fun doing it like there's a reason I go through it however if I'm going if like do you want me to just describe what the preparation process is because
0: um, and I'm only saying yeah because I think a lot of like designers and researchers and people that aren't cosplayers don't kind of get the gravity of it.
1: (laughs) So preparation for a costume usually starts probably months before I'm planning on wearing it because I know myself and I tend to take a long time to make a costume. And also for budget reasons, sometimes it makes more sense to buy the pieces more spread out than trying to buy all the materials at once. So that can start months before, before the con. But because I'm me, most of the time I'll procrastinate and not get as much done as I want to. And then it's like, Oh no, it's two weeks before the con and this costume isn't finished. And that's when con crunch time starts, usually about a week or two before. And I have spent several days just, I had my sewing machine set up downstairs in my house and I would just spend my day down there sewing or working on something and it takes so much time especially because like the sewing machine will inevitably jam and I'll have to replace something or the bobbin thread will run out and I won't realize it and little hiccups along the way that I try to budget time for but generally are just unexpected and annoying and elongate the preparation process and yeah, it takes weeks of conference time to finish most of my costumes, depending on what the pieces are, how many garments it needs, and what those garments are. Like, um, my Scanlan vest, for example, only has a couple pieces of leather. Uh, actually, that was opposite. It's my Harley costume that only had a couple pieces of fabric, but the Scanlan costume was made with a lot more seams and pieces of leather, so there's a lot more to sew, so it takes a lot longer. Um, and then there's various detailing and accessorizing that usually happens with costumes to make it look right. And it, that takes a long time. And then, day of the con, you gotta put it all on. Ideally, it's a good idea to make, do what's called a makeup chest before you wear the costume fully. So that way, Come con day, you're not putting the makeup on for the first time, and you know everything looks the way you want it to and works. I don't always have that luxury, because like that, I, I tend to procrastinate. So con day, of my costumes take an hour or more to put on and put together. And obviously the more I do a costume or a look, the faster I get at it. But by and large, it can take over an hour to get ready, sometimes an hour and a half going on two hours And that's putting on the makeup, um, putting, adding all the accessories to my person, um, making sure the wig didn't decide to die in the box I brought it in and doesn't need to be restyled. That's something I want to mention. Wig styling takes a lot of time, too, because you're having to take pieces and and form them the way you want them to look and cut the hair and it can take like an hour to style a wig. And that's hoping the styling stays and hasn't gotten messed up by the time con time comes. Because sometimes I have to take like half an hour touching up the styling because it's gotten ruined. And it's it's very time-consuming and exhausting. But I love doing it, so I'm going to keep doing it.
0: That kind of gave me some kind of like anxiety just listening to that. Because if you're going months out to prepare... And then like just the time that it takes to do all that, like I can only imagine like the patterns, getting the materials, like I I I know nothing about wigs, um, with the exception of what I got from the uh East Wing Theater Company from New York. And seeing that process of what it takes to both create a wig and then style it seems really tedious and very very kind of like time draining and meticulous but to actually do it i feel that i wouldn't either have the time patience nor like the delicacy to execute that how do you do that like once you at a con like to get in a costume do you have to wake up really early to do that
1: oh yeah i set an alarm and i i look at okay what's the first thing i want to do that day like what time does that start because if i don't have to be there super early like, I'm I'm going to have enough con time to have fun in this costume. I don't need to be there as soon as the gates open or whatever. So I usually look at what time does the first thing I have start? And then I set an alarm trying to give myself enough time to prepare before that, hopefully stuff some food in my face, Plan for that too, and just wake up early enough to finish it in time to go to the thing. There have been a couple times where I misjudged the amount of time I need and I've had to miss the first panel of the day that I wanted to go to or something just because I just didn't get ready in time and had to miss it.
0: That, that sounds really rough. Like, why do you keep doing that? I feel like there has to be such intrinsic motivation to want to do that and wake up so early and invest the time into doing this
1: and especially when i'm
0: not a morning person which i'm not planet cosplay talks about like the motivation coming from like the fandom and like the sheer love of it would you say that it's that fandom that drives you or is there something else
1: i think it's a combination of a lot of things one of them like the most basic being i love this piece Of media or I love this character so much that I want to dress up like them because it's my way of showing my love and passion for this character or this piece of work. But I think a lot of it also is the experience of when I do go to cons and get to share that love with other people who also love the same thing and create that sense of community with other people. Like I know there are some cosplayers who disagree on this where they don't want to be compared to other cosplayers which makes sense, and so don't like seeing when a lot of other people are cosplaying the same character. But for me, if I see someone cosplaying the same character, I'm like, yes, we both like the same thing, let's be friends now.
0: Wow, oh, that that sounds like an entire kind of ecosystem It seems more of like this kind of like human connection that drives everything, from the love of the character to the identity of the character to that community identifying and coming together. And make these lasting friendships.
1: Yes, that definitely happens. That's totally true. There is that sense of community and friendship. It's one of the quickest ways to make friends. If you see someone cosplaying the same you or from the same show, it's one of the quickest ways of a con to like start a conversation and get to talk with them and, you know, make friends.
0: Wow, that's that's kind of insane. Like that that's a lot to kind of do. Then there has to be so much drive and love and passion for that pulling up my research again and actually the the theater company that i was looking at was the center theater group and the american theater wing in which they kind of show like how much goes into like creating these costumes and wigs in the american theater wing they kind of follow along william uh william long goes through the studio visit and just like the amount of materials the amount of like time and like you know the collaborations and just like how much goes into it like that's it's crazy and it sounds like there's a lot of comparisons or parallels to cosplay so this really sounds like a kind of a bigger ecosystem Mentioning that, I actually wanted to ask, do you consider yourself a casual or do you consider yourself like a professional cosplayer?
1: Um, I mean, by definition, a professional is someone who gets paid for what they do. That's the definition of the word. I don't think it has anything to do with skill set or how good your cosplays are, but since I'm not making money for my cosplay, so at least not yet, yeah, it'd be cool if they took off, but I would consider myself like a casual or yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a professional yet.
0: See, So mentioning right now, like it doesn't matter about how good your cosplay is to be considered a professional. Why do you say that?
1: I mean, usually the people who get paid for it are the people who are good at it, and the cosplayers do tend to look really nice. But I also Mm -hmm. know that there are some really talented cosplayers who aren't making money off their work, and this probably would not be considered professional, but their work is definitely professional quality.
0: You had also mentioned right now that, you know, you kind of want it to take off for you. What would you, what would your like ideal be for being a professional cosplayer? Like, what would it look like?
1: If I made enough money back from it to be able to continue making more costumes, and hmm. that way it's not just like draining my wallet and taking it out of the budget, but like if, if my cosplay can fund my cosplay, if that makes sense.
0: So the, the cosplay, the cosplay is a moneymaker and the and the, the fun hobby.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: In some of my research, I had found. Like how some cosplayers were, were getting paid uh to kinda of go to like conventions and stuff.
1: Some do and have paid uh peers. Yeah,
0: Stella Chu, this is this is the cosplayer I was looking at um specifically. And uh Kamoi cosplay releases these like things about like how to get paid for cosplay. And it's it sounded a lot like networking and getting into these conventions where you establish yourself, having a set of followers. And then also doing stuff like selling prints, um, making books and stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there more to being like more that maybe that doesn't cover to like professional cosplay or is that kind of the gist of it?
1: Well, I think that depends on which area you're trying to focus on Mm -hmm. because there are in-person experiences and in-person conventions. But also know that there are ways to sort of turn it into an income in online spaces. And really the only information I know about turning cosplay into a profession comes from Ginny D, because she actually made a whole video about this is where my income comes from percentage-wise, and for Mm -hmm. her, the biggest one was actually Patreon, because it's a monthly subscription, so the income is consistent, whereas, like, um, print selling, it may not, there may be sometimes prints are selling really well, there may be sometimes prints aren't selling so well, so it's less consistent as patreon is she said in that video the majority of her income does come from patreon and she's a professional cosplayer cosplay has been her 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 sole job for over two years at this point
0: so what does she what does she sell on patreon or what does she like provide as a service
1: i know one of them is early access to um to her videos that she uploads on youtube hmm. i believe she she also um, does tutorials that are Patreon exclusive, and I think she might have done a couple live streams for them. I'm not a Patreon, I'm not a of patri- her, so I don't know exactly. I haven't looked up what her Patreon rewards are, but stuff like that, I think.
0: For you, because you're like a theater major where do you feel that cosplay can what would be a professional cosplay for you like what would be like the dream would you being like hitting up by theaters to make cosplays and also be invited to cons to make the money or like what does that what does that look look like i think that's the question i was trying to get to a little earlier
1: fun thing about being an artist the answer to that is oh is it work sure because i'll (laughs) One so thing about being in the arts is you can't always be super picky about the work you take. Like, you asked me, would you rather be working for a theater company or going to conventions? My answer is yes. <laughs> Why do you feel that? I mean, when it comes down to it, I think I would be happy in either of those examples that you gave. I like Mm -hmm. being creative and if I can find some profession or professional way to make a living off of being creative, that might take different forms. And at this point in my life, I don't know what path my career will take. I'm grateful that through cosplay and theater, I've gained various different skill sets I could follow, um, whether that be in costuming or acting or performance and or on the internet if I want to start putting more attention into that. And the nice thing about it is, as long as I get to be creative and pull the outlet, I'm, I wouldn't complain, honestly. If I'm a voice actor, great. If I'm a costumer for someone, great. If I'm a YouTuber, awesome.
0: For you, being that professional, cosplayer is more finding an avenue in which that you can get the income and have, you know, payments for jobs or services that is just like in a creative field, doing the things that you love.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And for me cosplay is a skill set that I may be able to market and as long as I'm being creative and get to do the creative things I'm going to be happy.
0: When I was looking into research about like skill sets, um Thomas Anthony who owns his like this design firm did some research and published uh his findings or his agency's findings and there is a lot of cosplayers that are really, really talented at stuff like sewing, makeup, painting, weatherproofing, and even kind of like 3D printing. Where do you feel a lot of the strengths that cosplayers have can be applied like
1: for work and for like creative assets? You already mentioned theater is one of them. Um, Yeah. For example, cosplay makeup is very similar to stage makeup because they're both designed to be viewed from a distance They're both a little bit exaggerated to get a certain look, and a lot of the skills I learned through cosplay I was then able to use in theatrical makeup. Um, You could also use costumes, as we talked about before. And I think anything that involves crafting stuff, for lack of a more specific term, can, if you know how to make things, there are different ways or that can be useful. I'm having trouble thinking of specific examples to answer your question, I'm sorry.
0: When we see theater as this, the space that's designated for performance, there's so much in that, in that kind of system, everything for makeup and stuff. But that form of theater could also be applied to like film or another thing that kind of comes up is like how these uh, conventions or even Louis Vuitton are having these runways with like, you know, they're almost like cosplays, like they're very inspired by pop culture, like anime or comics. Yeah, and all of that kind of it kind of goes around like there's still the makeup element, the dress-up element, the the costume creation.
1: Oh yeah, I see that a lot. I, like I know Hot Topic is like fringy or whatever, but like Hot Topic will have items very reminiscent of fictional characters, but it's, they aren't like it's not Halloween bodysuit. It's just the leggings, the same color scheme, or it's, I. Actually hmm. saw a really cool jacket based on Lawns' um, war armor at hot topic that
0: that looked pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a, not very much of a hot topic goer, but sometimes I do see stuff.
1: And Understandable.
0: My my own this is my own personal um experience going there like to get something for my niece and then kind of seeing stuff and I was like, man, like if I could modify that a little bit, I could look like this like one character from like you know. School Days, or uh, I probably wouldn't want to be a character from School Days. I like being attached to my head. Um, <laughs> or was it like Dongon Ropa or something? Like I, I, I feel that um, a couple times, and sometimes like it's just like straight out like they are they're selling the costume.
1: Oh yeah, um, some I've seen a couple of things that were actually labeled cosplay sold on Hot Topic's website, but like even their just fashion items are a lot of times very cosplay adjacent. Speaking of
0: Hot Topic, like, it sounds like cosplay is kind of leaked into the fashion industry in both this, like, selling the cosplay stuff and then also casual cosplay, which is looking at a character and then kind of picking attire that is more, like, conspicuous, but that kind of aligns with that character's design. Um, Yeah. And we could see uh, brands like Michael B. Jordan... And Coach kind of collaborated in an anime-inspired fashion line. We see Vogue having these, like, releases for video game-inspired, like, runways. And then Louis Vuitton did a collaboration with Final Fantasy 13 with Lightning. And when we, we talk about cosplay at first, like, it sounds just like, okay, these people are dressing up. But then when we, through this conversation and through the research, like, all of these things start kinda of coming up where it's like, whoa, cosplay has like infiltrated all these other like systems and it's be kind of grown in the the space that it like inhabits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, as a cosplayer, how do you
1: feel about that? I mean, it's like what I said before, the way nerd culture is sort of expanded and grown. If that means nerds can enjoy their things without being criticized by mainstream culture, I think that's great. Hmm. Like, I'm happy that more people are introduced to this. If this is something they're going to like and enjoy doing, and they wouldn't have otherwise been introduced to it. I'm happy that more people have found love in this thing.
0: I have one or two big last questions for you. Mm-hmm. As a as a fellow nerd, you know, sometimes like the virtual space is really great. I'm I'm a big gamer. Like I love GTA. I love Final Fantasy 14. When you had mentioned virtual spaces before and in, in counterpart to just the physical places for conventions like Patreon, what about like kind of cosplay in like a virtual space? Have you ever considered that?
1: I have. That's why I started the Instagram that I mentioned. And I have a couple ideas for a potential YouTube channel. Don't want to say too much yet because knowing me, I might end up procrastinating it and it may not end up happening, but I do have ideas and I I hope to maybe try to make more content to post online soon, and I'm excited to what for what that could bring. Because hmm. maybe it is a bit of egotism, but I do like showing off the work that I've done. And if the internet can allow that work to reach more people, that I think that's a good thing.
0: As soon as you are done setting up your YouTube and launching something that will take over the world. <laughs> we, would, we at the Red Mage would love to have you back um, and, and serve our, our humble dy- Tynamo Overlord. <laughs> uh, please spare us. The last thing I wanted to get to, as we're kind of short on time now, for you we've heard how like there's all these like ecosystems that pop up, all these like spaces in a dedicated space, and in that pursuit of wanting to establish a career in something that you love, that's creative and you know expressive. What are some of the big obstacles that stand in your way?
1: I mean financial obstacles obviously um mm. bills have gotta be paid, rent is a thing, food is a thing, and a lot of times in artistic careers, it can take a lot of time for to make your investment back because being artistic does cost money, like there are materials, there's time and training. There's labor and all that. And so it can be very expensive to have anything artistic as a hobby. And if someone wants to try to get professional, it, it is an investment that may or may not pay off because artistic careers don't tend to be the most stable or consistent, and there's a lot less defined compared to other careers.
0: On that note, a lot of cosplayers um, that I've interviewed out in my field research, and um, for respect to privacy, I didn't want to name any of them. Even though they, they did give me the okay to use quotes and, and throw their other handles, I don't feel it'd be okay to just you know shout them out right now, um, unless I got their permission hopefully if they're if they're listening they'll they'll jump on and and you know <laughs> join in on the red mage, but there was like this kind of like problem with like networking and like kind of like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know knowing who to show your your strongest cosplay to and like show your skills to so that you get invited to cons or that you could land a marketing gig or you could like get hooked up with someone that's like, hey, we're working on a film or like we're working on a theater production. We need someone that could like make this. Yeah. Do you feel that's relevant?
1: Oh, absolutely. That was another obstacle I thought of is for a lot of artistic careers, it's your job to market yourself. A lot of people, most jobs, like you work for someone and they give you your paycheck However, Hmm. for assistant careers, a lot of times you're also your own boss. You got to know how to market yourself. You got to know how to network. You got to know how to look good to a casting director or to an audition panel or
0: Hmm. whatever.
1: As a cosplayer, do you usually try to market and
0: brand yourself alone?
1: By and large, yes. Just because it's something that I've only recently started exploring. I look, hmm. look at advice from other cosplayers that I can find on the internet, but I'm not like one-on-one conversation conversing with them much. I mean, you've helped me a bit with trying to think of names for things and handles and whatnot. I don't know if you want to edit that out.
0: <laughs> no, leave that in there. Um, behind in case, the curtain. Yeah. If anyone is looking for the big head that could, that could pull some, uh, pull some design strings, um, hit me up, I am available for work, but yes, (laughs) (laughs) enough, enough logging myself. Um, but as a designer, branding and all that, that's, that's like hours of work. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you're telling me about like all of this time and investment and all the resources that are necessary about cosplay, that in itself is a full-time job. And then when you try to add design onto that.
1: Yeah. Even just learning how to navigate social media in such a way that you'll actually get enge- engagement mm. It's a skill.
0: Do there exist any resources that like other cosplayers like kind of share with you to help you out with any of this?
1: And like, like I said, no one that I really know personally. I just look up things on the internet and other cosplayers or content creators share their advice on what tends to work and what tends to get attention and how they've succeeded.
0: That's really great that they're they're able to send that over and share. Do you feel that, like, a lot of
1: the stuff that they provide is relevant, and does it does it all apply to you? I mean, that depends on how serious I want to get about this. Like, I may not—I'm not Ginny D, who's a professional cosplayer for two years making it her career, and I'm so happy for her. I'm glad she was able to succeed in doing that. But that's not me. I'm not there. And not everyone does want to pursue it professionally, so I'm just going to keep it as a hobby for fun, and that's great. That's what we want to do. And so I think some of the advice applies more depending on where you're at as far as trying to turn it into a career. Hmm. That, if that makes any sense. Oh, that's, that's really awesome.
0: You're kind of still in the, in the, in the phase where you're building yourself up and, you know, enduring these temporary growth pangs as you launch your career. But, you know, the way that you're continuing to pursue this relentlessly and going after all this and the the whole scheme and universe of things Uh, as a world builder we deal with developing these spaces and looking at these overlapping narratives and it sounds like there's really great opportunities there to optimize like the way that these spaces can provide resources and what you need both actual space and and virtual and I, I think that I would like to end this by asking, in a virtual and in an actual space, what are what do you feel would be something that would really benefit you and in, in like kind of pursuing that professional cosplay
1: career? I think what would benefit me in pursuing a cosplay career is putting me making the decision to double down and go for it and start making content that can be shared. And like any internet content creator, obviously, it's all up to the viewers, the people who consume the content, if it's to go anywhere. I don't know if any content I make will go or not. There's a reason the cliche YouTube like, comment, and subscribe thing is a thing, and that's because the way you engage with the content is how the algorithm knows how to share it, especially from the first 24 hours I've heard is really important for algorithms. And so I guess I'm answering that question with two answers. One, me getting my butt in gear and turning out content, and two, people deciding to engage with it and give it attention. It's all up to the viewers, as cliche as it sounds. If I do decide to pursue this, it's not going to go anywhere if people aren't looking at it.
0: Thank you, Tynamo for coming over and sharing a lot of this really great information with the Red Mage um, as we explore um, for this season, kind of like for the development of my thesis project, what I can work with in the cosplay community to really kind of help them out. And again, you're helping put a lot of things in perspective. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate all the input you provided. Not only will we love you to plug in all of your social media again, so that any <laughs> any any fans could come check out, um, or listeners. Uh, maybe <laughs> we might have we might not have a lot of fans yet. Um, we'll <laughs> we'll come out and and check out your stuff.
1: Okay. Well, right now the only cosplay social media I have is that Instagram. On um, dynamic cosplay. That is T Y is cosplay, and there may or may not be a YouTube channel in the future. So if you, I'll, I'll link everything on that Instagram if and when that gets made. So if people keep an eye over there, if it happens, it'll get posted there. And thank you so much for having me and for inviting me into this virtual space. It's actually your advice that sort of inspired me to want to look more closely at the skills that I have and decide to cast my net further as far as options for utilizing those skills and so I want to thank you for that well thank you for joining us
0: and to everyone here uh, we will be linking Pynamo's Instagram onto description and and we thank you guys for listening and checking us out this is kind of a series again that's going through kind of looking at cosplaying on micro-entrepreneurship and really kind of touching on some new-end goals uh, for economic growth and development as we use world-building to as a design methodology to address and develop with the cosplay something that will really benefit. Them. And as you continue to join us on our, on our journey through Season 1 for exploring cosplaying we hope that you continue to listen. Check out TechNet.com God yes.